What do two out-of-work baseball talkers do when they have too much time on their hands and have no desire to tackle their honey-do list? They co-host a national baseball show dealing with the topics of the day. It's the Big Five Baseball Show with big league broadcasters Victor Rojas and Joel Goldberg. Hi again, everybody. It is a Friday afternoon, episode number 21 of the Big Fly Baseball Show. Victor Rojas along with Joel Goldberg. So glad you could join us once again as we wrap up. Uh, I'm losing track, whatever this is, our fourth week doing whatever. the show. But <laughs> Exactly, whatever. But uh, we're having a good time doing it, and hopefully you are enjoying the uh, the, the conversations that we're having with all types of people, whether they're uh, current players, front office uh, Hall of Famers, it doesn't matter. We, uh, we're trying to bring you as much baseball as possible, and we're going to bring in, just in a second, uh, big league pitcher Derek Collins, kind enough to join us. But, uh, uh, Joel, uh, last night we got, to, we got a semblance of what a plan might look like for the country to kind of perhaps start to reopen. Uh, I'd imagine everybody is different as far as the region uh, of the country, but it seems like May 1st is kind of like a slow rollout, and that, that seems to be kind of a good thing. Now, don't we're not bringing out any dates whatsoever no. for baseball or anything like that. No false hope here, but at least there is something to look forward to now. Yeah, I think so, and and you know I think we got a ways to go. I I'll still get back to that Trevor Rosenthal tweet earlier in this week that at least he was hinting that maybe we're, we'll have a timeline next week. I, I don't think he was just randomly making stuff up, but I keep telling people because, you know, everywhere I, I was going to say everywhere I go in Kansas City, let me rephrase, every Zoom call I get on or every person I talk to, the first question is, when is baseball going to be back? And my answer to them is, if I tell you a date, you call me a liar right now because nobody knows. But it just feels like we're, we're maybe inching closer to that. Um, even just, and I'm not out and about in town a whole lot, but I went to I went to Target this morning. We got masks in, and uh, so I went over there and just went shopping for for a few things. And I, I actually found it with the comfort of the mask and not being paranoid about anything. It wasn't very busy. It was actually like really peaceful just to be out of the house and walking around. And I don't know if that's a small victory or what. But um, and the other thing too, and I know we really should get to our guest is when I woke up this morning, I for at least like 15 minutes, I was streaming that uh, live baseball game from Taiwan. I don't know if you saw oh. that or not. That was kind of, How, was kind no, of fun. I didn't. How was it? Did you enjoy it? It was good. I couldn't tell who the pitcher was. He looked like he was American, and and um, he had a long battle with the, with the guy at the plate, and he, he, was, he was doing well until he gave up. I think it was a three-run bomb. And then they had this unbelievable celebration in the dugout where they had like almost like a conga line going to celebrate it. So uh, it was kind of fun just to, just to watch shenanigans and actually watch baseball. Shenanigans and conga line. I think that is the perfect segue to our, uh, our next guest on the Big Fly Baseball Show. It's Derek Holland, big league pitcher. He's been around for a while. He uh, started with the Texas Rangers back in 2009. And uh, Derek, we appreciate your time and thank you so much for joining us. How's everything going with you? Man, I, I, I like that intro. That's, uh, that's pretty cool <laughs> to just pop in that way after being compared with the, the conga line. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here, especially to be able to talk about baseball and just kind of get you know people's minds off of this uh, the sad side of this. It seems like D that we're 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 all I think starting to feel on the the downslope of okay, not so much the timetable of a return, but like of the uh, of the taped games of all these great games you could watch on TV the, the the serious conversations about baseball's coming back in a bubble it's not coming back in a bubble i think everyone is just about ready at that point of normalcy meaning just just being able to go to the store being able to maybe go to a restaurant maybe that kind of stuff sports will be there eventually but i think everyone's just now jones into let's just get outside and i think the weather's starting to turn in a lot of different parts of the country i think that's what everyone seems to be feeling right now yeah i strongly agree i think people are starting to get annoyed with being stuck in the house they want to be able to get out and do things uh you know i've seen you up at the, the four seasons where you know by my house and that's one of the things is people want to we want to get back to our regular activities we want to be able to do you know going up to a gym or just going outside and being able to be active and not being cooped up inside their house i think that's the big thing and that's what sports really brings too is you realize how important it is to have sports in general not just baseball but i mean look at you know, i'm a big sports fan of other sports and basketball is one of my favorites to watch and hockey and like these would be playoff times right now we'd be mm -hmm. watching so it's just Right. We're missing some important things, and it not having sports in general 
just takes away so much. I mean, you've got throwback games and all that, and it's just like we already know the outcome. You want to see something new to where you don't know the outcome, and not having sports is really killing it right now. Man, you make me wish that the Royals were in, in Texas right now, and I'm sitting out on an off day at the Four Seasons at Las Colinas and all the little perks of, of, of uh, being a broadcaster and traveling with a team and staying in places <laughs> like that. But, you know, Derek, I, I've – you know, I've seen you from afar for a lot of years, especially during, you know, all your years in the American League. It's funny, like, as a opposing team broadcaster, we seems like we don't always talk as much to the starting pitchers because on that day that you're starting, obviously you're in that rhythm. And so, you know, speak to a lot of your teammates and all of that. And I, I know, like, some of us could wear, wear you guys out at times. Um, there, there are many of you that, that enjoy that conversation. Others, you know, don't want to be bothered as much or they've got their stuff. But you said something at the top of the interview here about just it's good to talk baseball. Uh, how much are you craving that interaction? Uh, maybe not with us. I don't know. Maybe so. But just to be able to talk baseball and um, I use the word shenanigans before that, that rhythm of, of a season. Well, for me, it starts back with what you said uh, at the very beginning, like uh, game days and stuff. Yeah. I don't get to talk to much media because everybody's intimidated. And I know there's a lot of guys that don't like to be bothered. I'm a guy that's got to talk. If I can't talk to people and, they try to put me isolated with nobody talking to me. I'm going to freak out. Like, I got to have that attention, I guess, is the way to put it. I, I'm, I'm a big talker. Uh, but to me, I think what's really funny, and I think this is how it'll be when we first start back up, is all these guys that haven't been playing are going to be really excited to have the media in front of them because you guys are going to be asking us questions, and that means that we're basically back out on that field again doing things. That's the stuff that we miss because it's – you know, when we're at home, it's not like we're getting questions like, hey, how did you feel about eating that bowl of cereal this morning? Or do you think that the spoon was too low? And you, you know, you don't get these questions that you usually get when you're playing the game. And I think that's something that we miss, too, is, you know, the media does a good job of doing their part. You know, they got to do what they got to do. And as a pitcher, I got to respect that. I got to help them do their, their job, give them the information so that they can, you know, continue doing what they're, they're doing with the, the announcing and stuff. And if we're not able to have that, it's just, it's, it's just different not having that. So I think once we get sports back, a lot of guys are going to appreciate having the media background. And, yes, there's always going to still be those people that are going to be the same that, yeah, I don't want to talk. Yeah, it's just personality-driven. It's funny as you bring that up, and that would have been my perception of you from every interview I've seen you do. And, um, man, I'd, I'd love to have you here in Kansas City so I, I know I'd have a guy that I could talk to on the day that he was pitching. But – you know, it, that's always been interesting to me, and I'm just curious what you've seen over your career because I've always thought, like, I remember back in my day of, I, I worked in St. Louis years and years and years ago, and I swear, like, I remember one day walking past Chris Carpenter at Shea Stadium down that, like, crappy tunnel, which was like walking a plank um, out to the out to the <laughs> dugout, and, 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 like, I diverted my eyes away because I'm pretty sure that if I had looked at him, I think he was probably going out to take batting practice on the day that he was pitching. If I had looked at him, he would have killed me with lasers in his eyes. But then a guy like, say, a Danny Duffy in Kansas City, I'm like, hey, man, I didn't want to you know, bother you. I kind of crossed paths with him in the second inning as I'm walking down to the field and he's walking up to the clubhouse. He's like, dude, I wanted the conversation. But you're in the middle of a game. No, I need that. It's so interesting to me the way guys are wired, especially starting pitchers mm -hmm. like you that 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 have this unique world that no one else has. Well, I mean, it's, it's all about the personality. I get criticized a lot for it, but at the end of the day, you know, i got to be who I am. I can't try to be something that I'm not. And for me, I want to keep things loose. That's just how I've always had or how it's always been. You know, my, uh, my mentor that helped me out in my career, you know, I had a lot of guys help me, but one of them that was – super important to me and he's, he's always been like a father to me was Eddie Gordado and he had one of the greatest personalities in the game like he was just a you know an entertainer he worked his, his butt off like he did everything he's supposed to do and then he'd go out and pitch if he didn't have a, ga a a good game he never blamed it on well you know if I was doing impersonations I, I probably wouldn't have pitched better you know it's stuff like that that just it kind of irritates me a little bit is when something's not going good, we try to find something and we point at the wrong things. That's why some of these guys, you don't get to see their true personality because they don't want that. They don't want that accountability of, man, if I'm out here having fun and all of a sudden we have a bad game, it's because I'm having fun and they want to use that against me. Whereas guys that, you know, go out there and if they perform really well, they don't say anything. They don't say, oh, well, man, he should be doing more impersonations because he's pitching so well or, you know, whatever the case may be. 
so it's the guys. I, I think that's what it is. Is some guys are just different because they don't want to show out, you know, too much of the stuff because people can use it against them. But then there's also some guys. That's just how they've always been. Is they're super serious and you know they don't like to be talked to. You're uh, listening to uh, Pirates pitcher Derek Hollins joining us here on the Big Fly Baseball Show. And and Derek, on the heels of that, uh, it, it seems, and we've had this conversation in the media and, and fans in general, baseball, it seems, has had the most difficult time marketing its players. And for whatever the reason is, as regional as our, our, our business is, and it really is from a baseball perspective, in the grand scheme of things, marketing its players has been this, I don't know, this obstacle that they have not just been able to overcome. Then all of a sudden this pandemic hits, and then someone has this idea of getting major league players to play MLB The Show and do a tournament out of it and televise it somehow or put it on Zoom. And it's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's like you're actually marketing your players and the personalities and when you look at the Nielsen ratings, how, how much those ratings have gone up just watching those different mediums because of it. Uh, why, did, why, why would you think it would take something such as a pandemic to come up with this, this brilliant idea? And this, this idea, by the way, has been around a long time. Guys playing, I mean, guys all day long on the road are always in their rooms playing these, these video games or on Twitch or whatever. And I know you're on Twitch. Why, would, why do you think it'd take this long to get to this point where you say, hey, that's not a bad idea. Let's market our players a little bit more. Uh, I don't really know. My, my only thing would be maybe they're afraid to fail. Um, some guys are, really care about their image, and they don't want it to come out the wrong way, too. Some things can get uh, taken in a different perspective. Um, because you're, you're seeing these guys in a whole different element. I mean – listening to them talking about Joey Gallo streaming last night and he was showing a lot of his personality and they loved it. There was not a, a bad thing said about it, but it, because he was criticizing his own players, the virtual players, uh, wow. and he was having fun with it. And people, people like that. That's, I think it's just, we're, we're kind of, we're in the area right now where we're kind of sensitive to where we got to be careful with how we say things or do things too. So it's like some people are probably afraid to get out there and do it because we don't want to, one, you don't want to offend somebody, or two, you just don't want you don't want somebody to see something like that, and then also they're like, oh, wow, he does this, or he acts like this while he's on there. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that, and then it just steers those people away. So I think it could be a fear of, of putting uh, information out there that they don't like, and they think it could hurt that player or something. I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure because, to me, I, I'm a big gamer. I stream. I, I think it's a great way to interact with the fans. Uh, I have a lot of giveaways and tournaments and stuff. Like I've got my own league. I'm not, cause I'm not in that uh, MLB the show league. And I right. think that was for the faces of the franchise or something like that. But, you know, I made one with a bunch of the esports guys that actually play the game for a living. And then I got a mm-hmm. bunch of big league guys. And it's, it's pretty entertaining to have uh, people like that in there. And the fans, I mean, they eat it up. I think it's great because yeah. you're getting not only to interact with us, but you're getting to see a whole other side of the player. So I, I, I think to me, and whether it's whether it's that in the gaming, uh, the players that you see that are out there that are signing nonstop, and I, and I tell fans, by the way, all the time, like just because someone passed you by, you don't know what the routine is. You don't know if they're in the middle of a workout or if they've already signed for an hour before or whatever it is. I know everybody's different. But the one thing that I know that fans love is they love personality. And that doesn't mean you have to be the loudest guy in the room. They just, all they want is a is a little peek behind the curtain. They, they want something more than just, hey, I'm taking it one game at a time. I mean, it's my biggest challenge interviewing guys on, on the sideline or, you know, after the game is, can I find a way to get them to say something more than, you know, hey, just taking it one game at a time, one pitch at a time, you know, all the, all the good old cliches. The reason why people love Salvador Perez here in Kansas City probably more than any player is the personality and the smile and the energy. And they may not, by the way, understand every word that he says either. They don't care. So in your mind, Derek, and you, you've always been so good with this, how important is, and you said something to you, like you talked about, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't have an introverted guy suddenly be jumping up and down and going crazy. It's not him. But how important is that interaction at the yard or in the gaming, whatever it is, with those fans to build this brand or to expand this brand? 
I think it's huge. It, it just lets them see who you are as a person. Um, given that personality, it's, they see that you're approachable. That's another thing too is, you know, as, as an athlete, I don't want to be somebody that you look at me and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's an asshole. Like, you're not going to talk to me. Like, I don't want that. I want the good image of, okay, he's approachable. We can talk to him. We can have fun with him. But we can also be respectful. Of, you know, he does have things he has to do. Because there's a lot of times that, like you said, I might not be able to sign. It's, it's hard for me to get to sign because I could be, I might have to go do something. I have to go work out. And it does make me feel guilty because I feel bad. I'm trying to make sure that I can get out there and I can sign autographs for these people because they are who, who we are. They make us who we are. And so I try to make sure I interact as much as I can. I got to see that from the veteran guys that I played from. And I think that's the other thing too, is when you're around a bunch of guys that are, you know, they keep it loose and they have that personality, it rubs off onto their guys and you start to see them open up and act that way as well. I mean, one guy I've, I've never even, you know, beforehand, I didn't really know much about him, but Andrew McCutcheon, uh, I never knew he had the personality that he had. And this dude is probably one of the funniest guys I've got to play baseball with. And just getting to hear him, you know, finally uh, talking and interacting, I think that was one thing that kind of opened me up is, man, this dude's got a personality like no other. There's, there's probably a lot of dudes out there and they don't get to see it because they don't, you know, they don't get that interaction. So how can we find a way to get them out there and, and doing that? And Kutch has been a guy that's been on a couple of my streams and people love listening to him and his, his following continues to grow. So the more that you can expose yourself and show a little personality or interact with the fans, it's going to go a long ways with, with those people off the field because they're going to see that you're a regular human just like everybody else. You just get to play the great game of baseball. It's a it's a difficult balance at times, and and you mentioned the uh, when you're on a schedule and unable to sign, uh, it, all it takes is one person, and to kind of change that perception of who you are, right? I mean, I mean that from a sense of, I remember walking with my dad when he was playing, and signing autographs all the way to the car from from Royal Stadium to his car in the lot. And if he didn't get to that last guy, then then dad's the asshole, right? Because you didn't sign everybody's autograph, but there was that one guy, and then that guy's going to tell everybody that, you know, cookie this, cookie that. So it's 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 a hard balance. And I, and I see it, Joel and I see it on an everyday basis. I'm fortunate enough that I get to watch Trout, uh, Mike Trout on a daily basis. I, I don't think there's ever been a superstar that signs more autographs than this guy. And I mean that from a the, almost game time stretching down the line, going to the fence, signing, coming in. If we're on the road, he's in the on-deck circle. He's signing around the on-deck circle while the pitcher's starting his warm-ups to start the game. And, uh, again, all it takes is one person to, to be upset. And it's it's difficult as a pro athlete to find that balance and making sure that you are. Hey, man, did you not see the 633 autographs I just signed before I couldn't get to yours because I got to go to a meeting? That to me has got to be the most difficult thing uh, from a from a professional athlete standpoint of trying to appease everyone, and it's all it's virtually impossible to do that. Yeah, and that, one I want to say though, because I got to see Trout a lot. I mean, we've become pretty good friends, and I've talked to him quite a bit. And one of the things that I've noticed is every time that I would come to Anaheim, if I was getting ready to start that game, and I'd be out in left field, you know, with their starting pitcher as well, throwing. And he'd come out, and I'd see him go sign, and he would come out and start stretching. You know, I'd always make eye contact. We'd, we'd wave at each other but not before a game. It's just how I am. Like, I, I interact with those guys anytime something happens. But he is definitely one of the guys that he does so much. And with that being said, like, I've had times to where I'll be signing, and, you know, when I was in Texas, and, you know, I've been out there for 30 minutes or whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, got to go inside. i got a meeting. And here comes this kid and this dad, and they're mm-hmm. yelling at me like, hey, one more, one more. It's like, well, I'm sorry. Like, I have to go. I've got stuff i got to do, too. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I want to sign for your kid, but I also am not going to try to get myself in trouble and pay a fine because I'm late for something that I'm supposed to be at or whatever the case may be. Like, i got to perform. And that's the one thing that fans don't – That I, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but they don't understand is, you know, if I want to go and perform – I got to go do my stuff. I got to go watch my video. I got to go work out. I got to do my cardio. I got to do all those things so that when it comes time, I'm ready to go for that next start. And if you're going to criticize me when I have a bad start, well, then that's going to take into the whole signing autographs because you're, 
you're telling me I'm, I shouldn't be doing whatever. Well, okay. If, if you're going to tell me I can't do my personality or, or whatever the case may be, then I might have to cut back on some of my autographs so that I can do my other stuff so that I'm actually prepared even more for my next start so that I can perform well for you. So then you guys actually, you know, you like me again and you're not upset because you think I'm distracted or whatever the case may be. It's a tough, it's a very tough thing to do. I've had a situation uh, also on top of that where I was at dinner with my family and this one kind of caught me off guard. And I very rarely ever have any bad experiences uh, with fans at all. Cause I'm, you know, like I said, I'm very approachable, easy to talk to everything. And we were at dinner with my family and somebody came up to me as we were eating. It was like, Hey, can we take a picture? And I was like, Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be rude, but I'm with my family right now. We're having, we're having dinner. Can you, can you wait? And I'm not kidding. The exact words that came out of his mouth after that was I'm an asshole. And I, I kind of just looked at him and I was like, are you kidding me? And my dad was with me and I, he wanted to say something. I was like, no, 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 you're not, we're not going to win no matter what. If we say anything back, we can't win. So don't just don't say anything. You know, I, I told him, I was like, I'll, I'll take care of it. And I told the guy, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm with my family. So if you want to call me an asshole, fine. So he walked off and to get him back, I was like, look, I'm going to make sure this guy realizes that just because I'm an athlete and I'm with my family, I want to be able to enjoy the time with my family. And I'm sure some people would probably get upset with, with me doing this, but I walked back up to him when he was eating. I said, Hey man, do you still want that picture? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he's like, let me get my phone out. And as soon as he started to grab his phone, I just walked away. And I was like, that's, that's, that's what it feels like when you do something like that to me, when I'm trying to eat with my family, like you can't do that. You can't disrespect me with my family when we're trying to have a quality time together. Like we don't, the one thing that people don't also understand is we don't get as much time with our families as people think we do. You know, we're constantly living out of our suitcases. And for me, my parents, I don't get to see my parents hardly ever, especially not playing in Texas anymore. I don't, I don't get to see them that often. So it's tough. And sometimes people don't understand that. You know, I, I think it's a, this is a good conversation to have because th- this stuff is not put out in a lot of places. Like you just hear about the bad experience where you're, hey, he's great with this or, oh, that guy stood me up. And and so, like, I've always felt like you, you have to walk in, in someone else's shoes. You know, I, I, I didn't play the game at your level. I didn't play the game at Victor's level. I talk for a living and, and that's all I've ever done. But I, I feel like, you know, I... As a reporter, I try to walk in the shoes of all of you guys every day to understand when's the right time, when's the wrong time. Everybody's not everybody. You could be under stress. There could be something going on at home. What like like these are human beings here. So I, you know, I bring this up because just even in my small little world, Derek, and and I I do most of the responsibilities in Kansas City. It, it's a little different than other places. So I'll do the on-field interview. And then I have to get up on on our set, which is out in left field at Kauffman Stadium, and do the post-game show. I do both of those roles, which I love. But they've got to wait after the interview for me to walk up through the crowd all the way around. And the cameras are all watching me because they're trying to time out the commercial break and the broadcast, start the post-game show. And inevitably, somebody will come up and say, hey, could you sign this autograph? I To this day, I don't know why people would want my autograph, but I did learn a long time ago that it, it's a lot better to say yes than to say, no, nah, you don't want my... It, it'll make someone's day. They put it on Facebook, whatever. But when you have to say to them, hey, I, uh, if I stop, I'm holding up this whole show, and I got then somebody in my ear saying, hey, jackass, let's get going here. The broadcast <laughs> is waiting on you, and I'm sitting there signing a baseball and taking a picture and posing... It doesn't work. How do you explain that, you know, to somebody in five seconds without coming off as the jerk? And so I, that to me, like as an athlete, that would be a lot of pressure because if you want if you're a, a people pleaser, which I think you are, um, you want to please people. Right. But at the same time, I guess it's that old reminder that you you just you can't please everyone. And, and I wonder at what point in your career you realize that. You know, as you got a little bit older where you said, you know what, I, I can't get this right every single time for people. It's it's something that you kind of, once you experience it once, you realize it. it. It grabs you because you realize, like, we can go right back to the autographs of, you know, people in line. You're trying to get everybody you can, and you can't control it that, you know, you don't have enough time or whatever the case may be. Like, 
you got to make sure the number one goal, no matter what, is you need to keep yourself on the field and you need to perform. That was one of the one things I've learned because I got in trouble by one of the veteran guys. Is I was spending way too much time signing autographs. Now, it sounds so selfish to say that, but then I realized why he said that, and it was because I'm out there doing so much for the fans that I'm not doing enough for myself. I also got to take care of myself and my career, and if I want to continue to sign autographs, well, I got to perform because once I stop performing, there will no, there will, will not be any more autographs, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yep. So that was one thing that I learned. I was like, holy cow, that's, that is a hundred percent true. Like I definitely need to pay attention to that. And I started to realize that that's, that's a big deal. Like you gotta, you gotta pay attention to those things because it's all about being able to perform on the field. That's the most important thing for the fans to get those autographs is when you're playing and you're doing everything you're supposed to, you're going to get that opportunity to sign all the autographs, but it's just a matter of you, you can't please everybody, no matter what, like that's just one thing that, there's one one way to look at it. There's always going to be somebody that has to speak negative, mm-hmm. and so you can't. You're never going to get to make him happy. So why try to why try to worry about that? Just try to please as many people as you can, and it's going to add up. It's going to take care of itself. Derek, you mentioned uh, Eddie Guardado, and uh, he was in Texas when I was there, and just just an all around great guy. And I I take this. Take this with a grain of salt, and I don't mean this in any disrespect whatsoever. You are a kid at heart, and you'll always be a kid at heart, right? And so I can see where Eddie is passing along the knowledge and kind of scolding you or doing whatever the case may be that veteran players do. At some point, you, with the time that you have in the big leagues, right, you're you're flipping that script a little bit. And now it's you being a veteran guy, kind of still the kid at heart, and you still like to have fun and screwing around, but now it's you passing along the wisdom and the knowledge that Eddie passed along to you. Was that a was that a difficult, uh, I guess, dichotomy for you to kind of just like, like be the straight guy for once and, and and start to tell the younger players, hey, this is when you do this, this is when you don't do that. How difficult was that for you? Uh, the thing that I've learned is still being you. Um, you brought up a good point of you know Eddie passed the torch basically to me. And now it's my job to basically pass the torch to the young guys. And the thing that I've learned is it's more about being visual. It's more about them seeing. And when they see you doing what you're doing, that takes care of itself. And then they hear your personality that adds to it as well. So it just continues to pile up that way. And I think that's the best way to get that knowledge across is just continue doing what you're doing. People watch and they learn from that. So I think that's the, the key that I learned from from Eddie was just being able to just continue working the way I do, show off the personality that way, and people like that, the younger guys will see it and they'll follow. How much? How much has not the game, but the the personalities, the um, the teammates, the the players in the game? How much has that changed? Say today, like you you get a a kid breaking into the league at. at 21, 22, 23 years old, you know, this generation's Derek Holland versus when you came in or, uh, you know, a Nelson Cruz came in. I mean, I, I know that there might only be 12 years of difference, but to me that could almost be generational, like the needs of a player nowadays versus the needs of a player when you came in. Or maybe it is the same. I don't know. How, how, how different is it today versus – you know, back uh, 12 years ago. This Okay, so this is going to be something that I think is, <laughs> this is me being old school, I guess. Um, and I know a lot of people criticize this. They don't like it. They don't believe in it. But uh, the young guys now are more protected than they were when I got called up. And I'm not saying that's something uh, out of control because it's not like I'm super old or anything, but, you know, I got hazed. I got all that stuff. And the thing is, it made me a better person. What gets lost is people look at it as we're punishing these guys when that's not the case. We're not here punishing anybody. We're, what we're doing is we're just helping people. I mean, it, it, to me, it made me more mentally tough. It made me appreciate my teammates. It made me get closer with my teammates. And it just, it, it did a lot for me. Um, 
it was entertaining. It was fun. It, it actually opened me up to where I showed off a little bit more of my personality. I think that was big. Um, it's just something that I think is way different than what it was when I first got called up. And I think it's sad as we can't, you know, we can't do some of the stuff that was happening, you know, back when, you know, I was younger, like, you know, I'm just going to say for something that I did, like I had to serve drinks on a, a flight to the entire uh, players, all the players. That's not a bad thing at all. To me, I thought that was, it was entertaining. It was funny. Um, it's just stuff like that, that people get, uh, as I put it, they get butt hurt. They think that we're, we're punishing them or we don't like them or anything like that. And one of the things that I, I also learned was when guys on the team make fun of you in the way that they make fun of you, like if you can handle that and you can take it, it shows like they, they appreciate you. They're not doing it because they hate you. They do it because they love you. Think about any time that you got in fights with your brothers or sisters. You know, one of the things that you always did was you guys made fun of each other and you guys didn't do it to where you hated each other. It's not like you didn't want to ever see him again or anything like that. You did it because you loved each other. It's just the way it is. Like, it's just, you know, we always picked on each other. And I, I don't, I mean, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But to me, that was one of the things that I think helped me a lot was what those guys did to me and then also did for me. So when I say that is, even though I may have gotten hazed, there was also a lot of good things they did for me too. Like, you know, Eddie Gordado bought me a suit the very first day I got up there. Like, he was like, hey, you know, congrats, you made it to the big leagues. And whatever, he may have hazed me before or, you know, I had to I had to be in timeout the whole time or something like that. And then next thing I know, he was like, hey, I got you a suit. You know, it's not like that's what people think is just when they hear the negative, they think that's all it is. They don't realize that there's more positive stuff that's going on behind the scenes too. So Derek Holland, big league pitcher, joining us here. Now, Derek, we don't want to take a, a whole lot of your time, and we appreciate the time that you've spent with us. And, and quite honestly, uh, your, your, your openness to, uh, to just kind of share your, your thoughts as they are. I've always known you to be that kind of guy, just a, an open book, and I, we certainly appreciate it. I do want to talk about uh, the, some of the good that you've done off the field as well with your uh, 60 Feet 6 Foundation that uh, if anybody's interested, uh, go to 60 feet, 60 feet, 6 point, uh, dead point, dot org. <laughs> point uh yeah it's a decimal point now i'm an idiot uh but uh a lot of it has to do with the uh, cancer and leukemia specifically and the impact it has on the lives of individuals and and really children as well tell us a little bit how you came upon coming up with the foundation and how it has changed you as a as an individual um well how it all started was because of teammates that i got to see with Michael Young, Ian Kinsler, um, you know, the, the off field, off the field things that they were doing and going to some of their charity events. It was just like, wow, you know, these guys, these are big name guys and they've got a nice platform. They're using it and they're helping kids. And I was like, man, I, I definitely got to do this. And a uh, radio station here in Dallas, it was at the time, I think it was ESPN, the radio, but it was Ben and skin. Uh, they introduced me to a kid who was dealing with cancer by the name of Briggsbury and when I met him, I, you know, I, I hadn't had a foundation yet. I didn't really know much. I just know, uh, I was here to meet a kid that was going, uh, getting ready to start chemo. And when he was doing all this, they told him, you know, he said he wanted to meet, uh, a, you know, a professional athlete in Texas, but he had like a couple guys picked out. I actually wasn't even one of them, which is, this is what makes the story even that much better is it wasn't even supposed to be me. And Ben and skin were like, Hey, no, you've got to meet this kid. He's got a great personality. You're really going to like him. And sure enough, when we met, we, we hit it off. I mean, we were, we became buddies instantly. Uh, I got to hang out with him and I got to learn a little bit more about what he was going through and uh, to see a kid that was literally, I mean, it was so inspiring to see a kid. He was going through chemo, played nine holes of golf, and then he would come and hang out with me. And anybody that knows anything about cancer, like the chemo stuff is not an easy thing to just, go through. I mean, it's, it's a tough ordeal and he was doing this and he would come and hang out all the time. And, uh, I got to spend a, a lot of time with him and his family. We became super close and to see a kid, like, I don't, I'm not going to go into the whole entire story of it because it, one, it makes me get emotional. Uh, and two, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about, but to see a kid go through all that, it just made me realize that 
no kid should ever have to deal with these kind of things. And I want to try to find every possible way that I can give back, get my time to, to help those kids and, and see if we can just try to get closer to finding a cure. I mean, that's, you know, I hope one day we, we eventually do get that cure so that we can help these kids because it's such a sad thing to see when you go to a children's hospital or wherever the case may be, there's other places that I've gone and seen these kids and it's just so devastating. And he always taught me, you know, that was the one thing that really made me open up more was you got to live your life to the fullest, be who you are. Don't try to be something else. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. If anything, compare yourself to what you were the day before, try to be better every single day and try to inspire. If you have the happiness and a positive attitude, it rubs off on everybody else in a great way. And that's something that we need to do because we do have a lot of people that think negative. It's so easy to think negative and they also try to put people down. But when you try to kill them with that positive attitude, and that vibe, it, it changes a lot. You see a quick mood swing. You see a quick change in everybody. And that was something that he always brought to the table. So I always wanted to make sure I had his legacy still going. And to this day, I still, I see his parents uh, every year. Uh, I've, I've been flying them out to every opening day um, that I would start. So basically my opening day. Um, and I mean, I've just continued that and I've continued to be with kids and help them uh, as much as I can. I just did uh, actually last week. I was, uh, I, I have a legit Batman costume. I'm a huge Batman fan. And uh, I dressed up as Batman and, and played, uh, I want to say it was like bingo, but a different style of bingo with the children's hospital uh, mm. on Skype. And so that was really cool. Um, I did uh, Kermit the Frog impression for some kids too on there. I just try to do as much as I can with my personality and who I am. And it doesn't even, the, the greatest part is I haven't been playing in Texas for, I don't know, four or five years now. And these kids don't know who I am. And that's, to me, that's the greatest thing about it is they don't care who you are. They just care about the love that you give them. And people always just try to give that, you know, excuse of, well, you're a professional athlete. No, it doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. These families and these kids, they, they appreciate so much with just having that extra attention or that extra person that's there in their corner fighting for them. You know, I, I always treat my, my pitching as if I'm a boxer and I've got nine rounds. Well, when I go to my corner, which basically is sitting in the dugout, I want my teammates there. And to me, that's what these kids are going through is their own boxing match. And I'm sitting in their corner. That's the best way I can put it and the way that I see it. And anytime that we can try to inspire kids and help them, that's, that's the most important thing. And that's why I started my foundation is so I can help kids with cancer or kids going through cancer. I'm not surprised that you started the story by mentioning guys like Ian and Michael Young and, and being with the Texas Rangers. In my five years that I spent with the organization working with Eric Nadell, I, I've spent more times on those caravans going to the children's hospitals and, and visiting with those kids. And the impact that the organization has had over year in and year out, I still see it to this day. They're still doing their caravans and still visiting the children's hospital. Um, it, it's one organization that really stands out. So I'm not surprised at all that it's been a trickle-down effect, if you will, from, from the top of the organization to the, uh, to the clubhouse and players and having it impact you on an individual basis. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, man. Just to be able to have the, the guys and the inspiration that they brought to the table is, is cool that I could actually continue that. And hopefully I've passed that torch to some guys in here that are still in Dallas and you know, people like Trout and all that, they, they inspire a lot of people too. And they don't, mm -hmm. they may not realize it, but they, they put it out there. Derek, I got one last for you. And then uh, I'll, I'll let Vic, I see, I don't, I don't know you other than from afar and other side of the field. So I don't feel like I've earned the right to ask you to, to do a Harry carry. So I'll, I'll stick to baseball, but <laughs> uh, that, that's my way of saying, Victor, you do it if you want, but uh, you know, it's been interesting talking to guys like, this is unprecedented. You you are not as a major league baseball pitcher used to having to get ready for an unknown start time. And you guys were on your way. It was interesting. Our first guest when we started this show, what feels like six months ago, uh, it was three weeks ago or whatever it was, was Albert Pujols. And he, you know, he was working out with Trout, but he said he's not hitting right now. As a pitcher, what are you doing to take care of your arm right now? So it's funny you say that is uh, I do keep throwing. Uh, I'm still doing everything. I actually do my own uh, made up workouts with some weighted vests at the house. Uh, it's all about being creative. That's the big thing. And obviously everybody knows I have a creative mind. So I've, I've created some wild little workouts. 
Um, I do throw bullpens. I've, I took, uh, I did throw one bullpen this week. It was on Tuesday. And then they're usually just up and downs. So I'll probably do basically it's two innings at the most. Um, the reason why I want to do that personally is I want to continue to keep my innings there so that when next season comes, just in case, because we don't know how long this is going to be. And it's not like I'm over here overdoing it too. Um, I think the big thing is I want to be able to get to 150 innings the following year. You know, if I continue to stay two innings, I don't think that's hurting me. I don't think that's doing anything crazy. We have a nice little thing going with the, the pirates of, you know, we talk every, every Wednesday as a, as a staff. Um, so it's definitely keeping myself going. I'm definitely playing catch, working out. Um, I've actually swung the stick a few times, obviously being in the national league, I want to continue to at least try to get some more hits on that resume um but yeah it, i mean we're we're definitely trying to keep ourselves active and continue to do all the baseball activities um one thing i haven't done though is i haven't done any pfps yet i'm sure you're missing those too <laughs> i actually enjoy doing that because i i would prefer to be a better defensive pitcher but yeah i know a lot of guys definitely hate that <laughs> Uh, Derek, we appreciate it. Uh, continued health and uh, to you and your family. Tell your dad I said hello. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us, all right? No problem. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And I uh, appreciate you guys you know, letting me be a part of this as well and, and get my story out there too. For sure, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, bud. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you later. That's uh, Derek Holland, big league pitcher. He's with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates organization, signed a minor league deal in the offseason, was well uh, on his way to uh, earning a spot uh, on that ball club and, uh, like everybody else, on hold right now. But uh, thankful that he was kind enough to uh, to spend some time with us. And, and really, I knew that when uh, when I asked him to join the show that he was going to be who he is. I mean, that's he's an open book. I mean, he, he is yeah. who he is. He's not going to – he's not trying to – you know, portray himself to be one thing and he's actually something else. He is yep. that guy. And, uh, you know, it's refreshing because I, I think there are so many guys in today's game uh, as, as even with the advent of social media, right? It, it seems like it's a guarded persona that they're putting mm-hmm. out there and which social media for the most part is right. It's like uh, these fantasy lives that everybody puts out there. Um, but with Derek, it's it's not. It's it's like it is what it is. He doesn't he doesn't really care. He's not trying to impress you or anything like that. That's genuinely who he is. And uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's gotten into some trouble with with managers on occasion, just because you don't know how to to balance that. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, I'm glad he was uh, honest and forthright with us. It hasn't gotten him in so much trouble that he doesn't have a job though. And so right. you know, if if you get well, yourself left handed so and a pulse. Trouble, Left-handed yes. and a pulse. Left-handed, <laughs> a pulse. They got a little bit more leeway, right? Yeah. I always yeah. say, like, how come there's no such thing as a, a crafty righty? Because they're right-handed, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But, you know, I, I just – and I want to be clear about this, too. You can't – you're not asking everybody to be Derek Holland. You're not asking everybody to be a big personality. You're not asking everybody – to, to come out of their shoes, and, and he, he used the word creative, to, to be that. Not everybody is like that, but I will say that every team has someone like him. Uh, from our standpoint, and I think from a fan standpoint, too, you hope you have a bunch of guys like that. You don't need 26 personalities at that level on the team. I tell people all the time that, that a major league clubhouse is no different than, than any office space. Mm-hmm. Uh, put aside some of the you know silliness and boys being boys stuff you got introverts you got extroverts you got people that are that are always happy you got people that are grumpy you got you know every type you got different you got diverse backgrounds you got guys that grew up wealthy guys that grew up poor guys that speak different languages it's really similar to anywhere else that's that's one of you know we were talking the other day i think about with sean casey about chemistry that's what's tough about chemistry is that you have to find a way to make it work. But I will say this, it is guys like Derek Holland who help make that work. Notice we've said that about past guests like Raul Abanez and Sean Casey. Mm-hmm. Raul Abanez is nothing like Derek Holland. Like Derek Holland and Sean Casey are probably more alike. But I think you need all of those elements in a clubhouse. The common thread between uh, among guys like that is that they care about other people. You could, you right. could see that right now. 
for those of us that do what we do, we live for guys like Derek Holland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that is when you get a chance to share personalities. And as fans, that's what fans want. That gets back to what you were bringing up to him about the marketing of these players, about getting those personalities out there. The more types you have like that. And then, by the way, when they do that, they take some pressure off of their teammates. And then maybe they loosen up a little bit. Here's the here's the key in the catch. And, and I know that you'll – I think you'll tell me that I'm right. If not, you can tell me to go bleep myself, right? But the, the, the challenge for a player – certainly a younger one, but even older is you want to be yourself like Derek talked about. It's fun to have that personality, but that personality can't be so big that it overshadows the work of others. So you can't be a distraction with that personality. You can't be the guy that, and and every team has these two, that is always walking through somebody else's interview because you want to be seen. And, you know, it's okay to walk in there and interrupt and mess with a guy. That stuff's fun. But when you want to be the center of attention and you want to be the show every single moment, that's when the teammates say, hey, dude, like, just back off a little bit. So there's a fine line. I think he's figured out how to do that. Oh, I, there's no doubt. And and I'm sure it was it was difficult early on. And, and, and you know, it, was, was he uh, was he going to be a mainstay in the rotation? Was he going to be a guy out of the bullpen? And, you know, finding yourself. I, I'm sure that transition itself has to be difficult as it is. As, as it is occurring at the major league level, you're trying to figure out, all right, am I, tra- am I at that point in my career that I'm transitioning now from starter to a bullpen guy or to a fifth, sixth starter and a swing guy on a rotation or on a 25-man roster? So, there's, you know, it's finding that balance. But I, I think, I, look, at the end of the day, whoever you are, personality, introverted, extroverted, whatever the case may be, if you're true to yourself, then then that's that's – that's more than enough, I, I, I think. I mean, like we've said before a million times, and I know you do the speaking engagements and the like, it is impossible to appease all of the people all of the time. That is never going to happen. There have been people that uh, will say negative things about Jackie Robinson. You know what I mean? Uh, that's just that's just how, that's just our society. There's just, that's human nature. It's impossible to appease everyone all of the time. And I think... Once you're comfortable in your own skin, and Derek Holland, and Sean Casey, and the role of Banyas of the world, they're everyone's very comfortable in their own skin, and they they are who they are. I know that deep down, as much as the goofiness, I'd love to be a part of it and listen to it and have fun and laugh. I love that part of it. I know that Derek Holland, when he takes the ball, he wants he wants to kick he wants to kick everyone's ass. He wants to yep. shove it every single time. There's no letdown because he's a goofy guy. John Casey was a career 300 hitter, 302 career batting average in 12-plus seasons in the big leagues. Uh, it's not like he was at the plate goofing around, right. making faces. and You know what right. I mean? There, there's a seriousness about it. It's me versus you, and there's a time to play, and there's a time to be serious. And, take, and I, think, I think that's it's difficult sometimes for people to separate that, but that's just, the, that's just reality. Your partner, Mark Ubizaw, is one of the funniest, fun-loving yeah. characters out there. I wasn't around when he was pitching, but you go talk to any of his former teammates, and, and there, there's one of those guys. You better not look at him on the day that he was pitching because, right. because he was out there to kill you. Right. Right? Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. And he'll tell you that to this day, he would want to fight you. Uh, if you, if he was on the mound and you're in the other uniform, he wanted to fight you. He wanted to beat you. He would scream at you. Uh, he, you get a base hit off him. He'd scream as you'd run down the line. Uh, but like you said, he is off the field, a completely different guy, you know, and I think that's, uh, I think that's good. And it's finding that balance. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, we, um, no, I was just to say, I, I know you've got us all booked up. I think already for next week, we got a good show, but I, I, I know this is easy. It'll be one of the easiest ones to do, but I, I still think somewhere soon, late April, early May, I want the, our two broadcast partners, yeah. Mark Gubaza, Jeff Montgomery. And we'll just let them tell old stories because you've heard you've heard them on your end. I've heard them on my end, and I think a lot of people would like to be a fly on the wall on those. Yeah, no, definitely, we could do that uh, next week. Since you brought it up, let's see uh, off the top of my head, Chuck Greenberg, former owner of the Texas Rangers, and he owns I think three minor league teams. He's going to join us 
on Monday. Bill Engvall, the comedian, he of the uh, Blue Collar Comedy Tour, big baseball fan. He's an Angel fan, and he's going to join us on uh, on Tuesday. Alana Rizzo, sideline reporter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. She's going to join us on Wednesday. On Thursday right now, depending on his golf game, D-Train. Dontrell Willis is going to join us nice. on uh, on Thursday. And then on Friday, we get to talk to the ultimate uh, crew chief and umpire, Ted Barrett. Uh, we've gotten the approval to talk with him and uh, looking at giving uh, – and that's the whole idea of this is to give everyone different a different perspective. perspective. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a, a minor league player from the Boston Red Sox reach out to us uh, on the show uh, page on Instagram asking, hey, man, if you ever want to talk – I, I told him, I said, we're kind of booked up right now for the next couple of weeks or a week and a half or so. I'd love to have a, a minor leaguer's perspective as to yeah. what's going to happen because nobody's talking about the minor leaguers, no. you know? It's no. all about the big leagues. It's all, nobody's mentioning what these guys are going through. And, uh, you know, with minor leaguers and being prospects a year older, that's uh, that's no bueno, especially yeah, if you're not scary. on the upper echelon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, no, and, and, and the lack of paycheck i mean i know that's everybody right now but mm -hmm. they're you know they make no money and so there's that end of it i know we still have jeff francor waiting in the wings so we got to get to mm -hmm. him too and um it's good the, the beauty of this thing is that we're not we're not running out of content and that's what i like no. I, I like we'll wrap it up with this unless you got more that's fine too but i i just <laughs> i like the fact that we can go in any direction with these guests right we don't have right. to talk about the day's news if there isn't any we don't have to you know we i thought about asking Derek about when he thinks you're coming back or what it looks like. But you know what? We've asked other people that. That, that was just, it's just, this is a nice chance to have an extended conversation. And what I'm finding out too, uh, Dan McLaughlin told me this offline the other day, and I think you're probably hearing it from guys, broadcasters, players, former players, that may not usually have the time to do 30 minutes or 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got the time right now. It doesn't mean that they're not busy. We're all, we all have things going on within our houses. But I think a lot of people, us included, crave these conversations. And so uh, it was another fun week of, of those, and can't wait to do it again next week. Looking forward to it, buddy. I hope you uh, have a wonderful weekend. Same with everyone who's been able to watch us on YouTube and or download the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. We thank you for uh, watching and for listening. For Joe Goldberg and Derek Holland, who was our guest today, he had the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm Victor Ross. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Joel, take care, buddy. Have a good weekend.